this is Mel from Just Teachers and welcome to our first ever CPD podcast recording. Welcome to episode 5 of our Just Teachers CPD podcast where Executive Head Teacher Chris Almond discusses maintaining relationships with children and young people. This includes understanding effective communication with young learners and how using different forms of communication can help meet the diverse needs of the classroom. Okay guys, um, welcome back. And today we're going to be looking at understanding effective communication with children and young people. Now, the first thing we need to say is that every interaction you have with uh, a young person is, is a form of communication. It's not just about the words we use, uh, the t- but the tone of the voice, the look in our eyes, uh, our facial gestures, the way we stand, where we stand in the classroom, the gestures that we make with our hands, with our body. They, these all convey messages to young people. And the messages they get from that will, will perhaps vary depending on their age and their ability, but but we're always conveying conveying messages. The way that we as adults communicate not only sets the tone of the classroom and the class that we're, that we're in, but it, hopefully if we're doing it properly and we're doing it right, then we're teaching them how to communicate with others effectively. So how they're communicating with their peers, how they communicate with other people in their in their lives, and it starts to help shape their emotional development, and then it, they begin to understand how, how to build and sustain relationships, and at times how to repair relationships. Um, we've got two broad types of communication: we've got verbal and nonverbal. The verbal communication is the way that we use words to to communicate, and um, so we're looking at the pitch, the tone the volume, the actual words that we use um, and the way that we use these words to ensure that the pupils that we're, we're dealing with feel safe, feel valued, uh, treated with dignity and that their emotions are validated so that we and we are using words that they can understand. I personally believe that there is no place for shouting in the classroom, in education, uh, at children. However, Having said that, there may be certain instances where you may have to raise um, the volume because a child might be able to be doing something that's dangerous and you need to distract them, get their attention to stop them doing that. For example, a child punching uh, a window or a glass door across the room, shouting to get their attention to try and get them to stop could be appropriate. Um, But routinely shouting at children that has no place in education anymore and sometimes you know that raised voice we need to get the attention of a large group of people and and raising our voice to get that that um, attention in the first place is perfectly appropriate now the words that we use obviously need to be understood but there's that fine balance between using the words that they need and them understanding the words but there's also we need to push and extend their children the people's vocabulary we need to be very clear in our instructions there's pressure point in just telling a child to behave if we're not really clear about what the behavioral expectations or that pupil isn't clear on how to behave what is it that we want them to do and then the other side of this is we've got is the is the non-verbal communication and this can be intentional 
and unintentional. Um, it's that the way that we use our body. It's things like facial expressions, eye contact, personal space, hand gestures, physical touch. All of this is, is non-verbal communication. Totally together, it's known as the paraverbal. Um, and 80% of what we say to pupils, they pick up through the non-verbal. It's really, really important. And it's something that we do need to be aware of. Uh, you know, how we stand, where we stand. Um, there's a world of difference between somebody looking at us and making us feel like what we are saying is really important. And that glazed look that comes over some people when they really cannot be bothered um, to believe that I'm still going on about whatever it is I'm talking about. You know, it's really, really, really important. That inquiring, curious, nodding, smiling, respectful gaze makes children and adults feel valued and, and, and respected. Effective communication with pupils also means we have to be self-aware and, and not assuming that everybody's going to respond the same way that we would do in, in that situation. Sometimes for some pupils, just maybe because of the way neurologically their constructs, the way their brain works, or some cultural groups, the words mean different things and, and have different and the requests that we make might be easier or harder depending on, on, on their, their cultural references or their neurological constructs and the way that their brain works. For example, pupils with autism may look at me it will be quite a difficult thing for, for quite a lot of autistic children to do. So being aware of, of those needs in the classroom is really important. So in concluding this little bit here, we use different forms of communication, verbal, nonverbal, written, visual aids, all to bring those all together to help meet the diverse needs of children and young people. By using a range of the communication methods, adults help to ensure that all the children and the pupils uh, are able to participate and understand the learning activities. It's important that we use a range of those, those strategies and we're not always stuck with one. Okay. The next section is to look at using communication effectively with children and young people. A child psychologist, Dan Siegel, has said that to feel emotionally secure, to be able to learn, children need to be seen, need to be emotionally soothed and to feel emotionally and physically safe. Many of you will be aware of, of, of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Uh, education is near the top of the pyramid under that self-actualization section. OK, and down at the bottom, we've got those basic needs of food, safety, warmth. OK, and, if, and people can't progress up the pyramid until those basic need, needs are met. So it's important that we, we create that safe environment within our classrooms, you know, and, and, and schools. And that's as an individual, but also as a school. And you look at what schools do as a whole to try and make sure that those basic needs are met. You know, breakfast clubs, pastoral teams, looking at making sure pupils are, are fed, are feel safe and are in a position where they, they can access access their learning. How can we do that individually within our classrooms? You know, greet every child by name every morning, you know, as they walk in. Morning, Mark. Morning, Sarah. Just to acknowledge them so that they know that they've, they've been recognised within your within your classroom. Every time we ask a question, you were using their names. Again, that's safe. We talked to, we've talked about in previous sessions about pupils feeling safe and what we can do to prevent those, those, those issues of bullying occur and how we can try to work with pupils to make sure that they're in a, a place where they can learn effectively and that's soothed you know do they feel soothed do they feel emotionally and physically safe do they feel they can come and talk to you 
you know are, are you open are you transparent and do you do you present as though somebody that the pupils feel safe with so how do we communicate effectively with, with, with young people we could do this by actively listening clear and simple language positive reinforcement showing empathy and understanding using a non-verbal communication and encouraging open communication these strategies all help to improve the performance behavior and overall well-being of, of um, pupils so breaking those down one by one active listening i mean basically this is just giving pupils your full attention maintaining the eye contact responding to what those they say with those affirmative noises and gestures that 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 yes yes that that, that, that if you if you watch somebody ever on a mobile phone having a conversation it's ne they're never quiet as the other person speaking they're often affirming what they've heard with positive positive noises or yes yes or <laughs> those sorts of, of sounds okay and, and and it's important that when we're talking to pupils that that, that we're doing that because that's showing the pupil that we're actually listening to what they say another good way of doing it at the end of the conversation when they've spoken to you is actually to repeat it back to them okay so let me get this straight what you're saying is and then repeat back what you've heard and then that that's proved to the person that you listen to it also gives an opportunity for actually any miss you know or no actually i didn't mean it like that or no no i didn't say that and, and it, but it does prove that you were you were listening to them and, and by doing this you sort of show that you you value the thoughts and opinions you have listened to them Okay, and, and that they feel empowered to be able to, to 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 talk to you. Next is that clear and simple language. It's important to use clear and simple language when communicating with pupils, but it's also very important to use age appropriate language when communicating with, with pupils. This obviously helps with the to make sure that they understand what you're saying and can follow instructions easily. You know, we we. We need to avoid using jargon or technical language where we don't need it. There's always a place for it. And and, and, and as we are pushing children to develop develop their vocabulary, there will be it will be introduced, but it needs to be done at the right time and at the right level. Positive reinforcement. We've talked about this again in, in earlier in earlier sessions. That encouraging positive behaviour, catch them doing it right uh, and praise it. Everybody likes praise. Okay, that verbal praise and reinforcement. And hopefully over time, you know, if we are if we are positively reinforcing the behaviours that we want to see, we'll see more of them. We will see more of them and less of the the negative behaviours. And um, empathy and understanding. Try and understand the perspective of the child or, or the pupil you're communicating with. They might not have the same outlook or, or, or understanding or values that you do, but having trying to understand how they see the world is very important. Um, so that gives you that that empathy and, and and acknowledging their feelings. We can't stop the way we feel. You know, you, 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 if we try to deny people their feelings, we're setting people up to fail. And I often say to people, it's okay to feel angry, sad, upset, whatever. It's not about feeling that, it's about how we manage it. How do we manage those feelings and, and developing those skills to manage those feelings? This shows that what, the, what this develop shows is, is you actually care. You care about them. You know, it's okay to be sad. The reason that I'm here and that I'm here to help and I'm here to support, okay, because I care about you. And then we also talked, we've already talked about this, that non-verbal communication, um, your body language, your facial expressions, that nod, that smile, that thumbs up, just standing next to somebody or maybe giving them some space or where am I stood in the classroom when I'm giving my, uh, my, my when I'm communicating with, with people. 
can have a huge impact on the outcome of any conversation. <laughs> Open communication. What is it? Well, this basically means that we are making sure that we're being approachable, we're non-judgmental and showing the respect for that child or young person's opinions and feelings as we just talked talked about. If we can do that, we can start to develop these positive relationships and support pupils to feel comfortable about expressing themselves. This sort of helps you to effectively communicate with the pupils. The pupils could start to effectively communicate with the adults and the pupils start to effectively communicate with, with each other, which hopefully helps support the, uh, the performance in the classroom, the behaviour and, and their overall well-being. So the last section, guys, today is to understand those positive relationships. It's absolutely vital as adults that we are maintaining professional relationships with children and other adults in, 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 the, uh, in, the, in the classroom and the building. This helps to develop and create that positive and productive learning environment. Five ways that we can build and maintain professional relationships. And, and, and some of these, actually, we've already talked about in, in, um, in, in previous little sections. So the first one, communication. We've, we've just spent the last 10, 15 minutes talking about communication and that effective communication. And it, it basically is the key to building, to building those professional relationships, that ability to communicate clearly, actively listen and show empathy towards others' needs and comments concerns and that's not just the pupils that's the other adults that's everybody that, that that's within the building it's so important that we model what we want pupils to do in and, and, and we model that in the way that we talk to other adults in front of pupils it, it, it is really really important and we need to model the way that we wish pupils to communicate effectively with each other active listening we've talked about that again it's important to actively listen to children, young people and the other adults to understand everybody's needs and concerns and, and giving them that full attention, asking those open ended questions and making sure that we clarify any misunderstandings is really important. Respect, showing respect towards others, each other is vital if we're going to build a positive relationship, making sure we're using appropriate language, addressing people by the preferred names and showing that due consideration towards culture, beliefs and values. Collaboration, which is essential for building professional relationships. As adults uh, working with, with young people, it's vital that we work collaboratively with the other adults in the classroom, other teachers, senior leaders, parents, and on all of the professionals developing that network of support around young people to help support their learning and development because they're not just learning in the classroom every everything they do as, as they're growing up they're learning and so making sure we've got that right support network around pupils is absolutely vital and the lastly is professionalism making sure that we are professional in our approach having that professional attitude being on time yeah being reliable being respectful towards other people's times and efforts are, are really important. There's nothing sh shows pupils you don't care than turning up five, 10 minutes late to the lesson. You know, you make, make sure you're on time. It, 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 it's non-negotiable, really. Be on time, be prepared. I think building and maintaining professional relationships with, with young people, with, with pupils, adults, requires all of those things, active listening, respect, effective communication, collaboration and professionalism. If we can use these strategies, hopefully we can be part of creating that supportive learning environment where everybody does feel valued and respected.